this morning we're, we're starting a new series and, and the topic for this morning is paths, directions and, de- and decisions. And it's really important, it's a very important part of our life. And the paths we choose and the direction we take are determined by the decisions we make. And it's really important. And some decisions um, are really not that important, like there is no real consequence. So I get up in the morning every morning and I decide what I'm going to wear. I don't pray about that. I don't fast. Um, I don't really give it too much thought. I just get up in the morning and God's okay with that. You know, he's quite a, he's not a micromanager. He doesn't sort of ring me up and say, hey, you know, what do you, what do you decide? He doesn't really think like that. He, he, he just gives us our freedom in, in that sense. And it's, it's not really that important. But I know that I'm a mum. And when Brittany was about two years old, She started that process of deciding what she would wear. She didn't really have much thought of what I wanted her to wear, but it was usually a pink tutu or a purple tutu or whatever that was, and and that was fine. And as she grew up, she just made her own choices. But I can tell you, as a teenager, there were times when she would come out of her room and I would kind of look at her and say, babe, I don't think so. You need to change that. You need to go and change what you're wearing. You need to change that. (laughs) you know, as a, as a mother of a teenager. So it's only a tiny decision. But, you know, sometimes we have to recognise that those tiny decisions actually affect the bigger picture and the path that we're on. And it's about really just being sensitive to the Holy Spirit because it's not always those really big, you know, elephant-in-the-room decisions, but it's the little ones we make along the way that could set our paths and our direction. So, you know, how do we know how to make decisions? How do we know how to make destiny decisions? What do we do in times that we really have to find out the call of God on our life? It's really important. And I I believe that one of the most important things in making a decision is to check our motives. Our motives in making decisions is really important. We have to be self-aware. And I know myself, I step back and I just check my heart. And I love what it says in Proverbs in Proverbs 4.23, the New Living Translation says this, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. It determines the course of your life. And it's important to check where your heart is. Do you want God's will or your will? When we're checking our hearts, when we pray to our Father and say, your will be done, do we really mean that? Or are we like Frank Sinatra, you know, I did it my way really important. And one of the greatest heroes of the Bible was Samson. Now, he tried to do it his way. And actually, I thought about, I thought about um, Pastor Alex when I, when I was, I'll tell you why. (laughs) So God had a unique purpose for Samson's life. He and his parents were given clear instructions on how he should be raised, what she would do when she was pregnant. It was really important. And he was actually to be a Nazarite. Now, in in Judges 13, 7, it says, he is a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. That was his calling. That was his purpose. And a Nazarite was, in those days, a person consecrated to God. They didn't drink alcohol, no cutting of the hair, no going near a dead body. That was a Nazarite. That's who a Nazarite was kind of, if I just think about, you know, what Samson might have looked like, I I don't know if anyone saw Aquaman, he was built like that, (laughs) 
that was, he had to be built like that because he was going to deliver his people. You know, we know the story. He was moved by emotion. He was moved. He made his decisions through his feelings. And sometimes we have to step back, check our hearts, and think about what are we, make, what are we using to make our decisions. His heart was not aligned with God's heart for him. He did all the wrong things. You know, he killed an animal. He went back and ate from that animal. And a Nazarite was not to go near anything dead. He kind of lost his way in his purpose. But you know what? We have a God that doesn't lose us. We have a God that redirects us. And I know, I don't know if you guys have a GPS. I've, I've got a GPS, a, a little, maybe a big English woman. I don't know. But this English woman talks the whole time when I'm driving and tells me what to do. When I first got this GPS, I really made so many mistakes because by the time I understood what she was telling me, it was too late. <laughs> and I missed the turn. You know, or I turned too early because I thought next time I'm going to get her, I'm going to turn right. And then I'd turn before the turn. And then I'd end up in a mess. And no matter what happened, she would always redirect me and bring me back on track. God does that for us. God does that for us. He redirects us. And he brings us back on, the, on track, back to where we're meant to be. Now, God did this with Samson, but his decisions did cause him a lot of pain and a lot of suffering. You know, he did not, excuse me, he did not guard his heart. He did not check himself. He was already married to a Philistine before he even met Delilah, which sort of says a little bit about him. He just was not listening. But in the end, God accomplished everything he designed him for. He accomplished that purpose through Samson. It just, he just kind of went around the loop a little bit. If, and if we could just read this from Judges 16.30, it says, Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might, and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than while he lived. So he was blind at this time. They had done some terrible things to him. He stood in the center of this big gathering and put his hands on the posts and pushed them out. And that's when everybody, when the Philistines were gone. But it took his death to bring about the purpose that God wanted in his life. Is your heart connected to God's heart? Have you checked your heart? Have I checked my heart? That's the question we have to ask. Because God wants to take us around direct. He wants to keep us on the right path. And I, I've just got a picture of what it looks like when you kind of do a loop around and how you add time. You add a lot of time to what you're doing. You go in the wrong direction, but God brings us back onto that right path. He brings us back to where he wants us to be. The other thing I thought about is when we come to make decisions, do we count the consequences? Do we think about counting the cost and how it will affect our lives? You know, it's really important when we're making decisions, when I'm making a decision, I always sit down and say, well, what's this going to cost me? You know, there's a verse in the book of Luke that talks about the cost of actually following Christ, but we can apply this verse to any decision we're going to make. What is the cost going to be in this decision that we make? Luke 14, 28 says, for which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Count the cost. Count the cost. 
it's important to gather as much information. This is kind of practically. We need to gather as much information as we can before making decisions. And then if we don't have a piece about it, and this has happened to me many times, if you don't have a piece about that decision, you just pray for revelation. If you can't get it from the information, you just sit back and ask God to reveal things to you. In anything, if you're applying for a job, you know, have you received the job description? Have you found out what you're going to earn or have you said yes and gone all the way down to realize, gosh, I'm earning half what I did at my other job. What am I doing here? Have we counted the cost? Are you buying a house? Have you had a building inspection? Have you, the practical things that you can do. Have you had a building inspection? Have you done a pest inspection? Have you found out what the zoning is? You know, whatever, the, whatever your decision you're making, you need to count the cost of what it is. What is that cost? I remember Mick and I, we were quite young, probably about 20 years ago, and we, we wanted to invest. And we thought, okay, well, we're going to buy this house. And we were in church at the time, <coughs> excuse me, and one of the, the ladies in the congregation was a real estate agent. And she showed us this house. And she started to tell us how wonderful this house is. And we, being naive and um, not really knowing much about the property kind of um, sector, we just thought, okay, well, she told us you could do this and you could do that and what about this? And she d made all these suggestions and we thought, wow, we can really trust her because she's a Christian and she goes to the church. Well, we were wrong. We were so wrong. We put a deposit on the house and, and we, we actually heard what we wanted to hear. And sometimes when we're making a decision, we kind of gather information, but we kind of think that it weighs more on the side of, oh, this is what we really want to hear. But do we get the right information? And what ended up with us, we bought the house and we went to council, but by then it was too late. We couldn't, um, we, we couldn't develop the property the way we wanted to develop it. Now, we got taken off track. It took us 10 years to get back on track. But I tell you that God blessed us anyway, that when we brought it to God and we asked God, we said, God, we've made a mistake. Can you help us? What do we do now? He rerouted that whole thing and brought us back on track. And he blessed us. He blessed us because we took it to him. You know, the story had a happy ending. Like Samson, God did what he did because of his grace. And I think we have to think about our decisions affect other people. The decisions we make will affect other people in our lives, our family, our children. Our decisions will affect others and we have to be thinking about that. You know, even in this house thing that, that we did, that, that what we thought was, was a really bad mistake and God couldn't bring us back, it did cost our children. We probably moved 10 times in about three years. It cost the children. It cost our family. Psalm 25, 12 and 13 says this, Who are those who fear the Lord? He will show them the path they should choose. They will live in prosperity and their children will inherit the land. Who are those who fear the Lord? Do you fear the Lord? Do I fear the Lord? Do I honor him? Do I consider him? Do I obey him? Do I, am I close to God so that I can hear his voice? Because our good decisions will bless our children for generations to come. And they have a ripple effect on our families and on, on the people around us. And, you know, in many years to come. And I work in the aged care sector as a chaplain and I minister often, not just to my clients who are aging and, you know, I'm sort of, we call ourselves, and I think I've said this before, the midwives to eternity because we're there at the door to the next life. And a lot of times I deal with families and there are some, some of the, these people's children that are in their 50s and I'm ministering to them because of decisions their parents have made years before when they were children and they're still counting, paying the cost of that. They're still paying the cost of that. So let's choose wisely. 
how is this decision going to affect others in my life? Many people struggle in their relationships because of decisions that were made when they were children from their parents, you know, and, and, and we need to be thinking about that. The other thing I wanted to talk about today is options and opportunities. And sometimes we get things mixed up. We think an option is actually an opportunity and vice versa. And it's really important to, to be thinking about what is an option and what is an opportunity. Sometimes we mistake things that are opportunities for options. Now, have you, I don't know, these days we're all in the techno world and I'm not really that good at the whole technology thing. And when I was growing up, there was no technology. So we didn't have internet. We, did, we weren't bombarded with advertisements on our phones or anything, but we were bombarded with salesmen at the door. Does anyone remember that? Does anyone remember the Kirby vacuum cleaner? Every Lebanese woman bought a Kirby vacuum cleaner just because it was a vacuum cleaner. And do you remember the people that sell like encyclopedias? They would come to your door and they'd knock on the door. And many times they'd come in and they would present you as if it's an opportunity when actually it's an option. So they'd say things like, only if you buy, even timeshares, only if you buy it now will you get it at this price. If I walk out that door, it goes up by 30%. You'll never get this price again. And you know, my aunt bought a Kirby vacuum cleaner, even though she had two vacuum cleaners, she didn't need it. It was an option, but it was sold to her as an opportunity. She thought, wow, I've got an opportunity to have a cleaner house. It's an opportunity. No, it's not. It's an option. And we have to know the difference. We have to know the difference. We need to take our time. We need to not rush. We need to wait on God and be patient. We need to be patient and listening for God. The minute someone says to me, if you don't decide now, then that's it. You're going to miss your opportunity. I'll say, no, thank you. I don't want that. I already know you've just decided for me that that's not what I want. That's an option. I don't want that because it's a bit of a trick. And sometimes we, we listen to that and we respond to that. If you don't have enough information, I would say, you just wait until it sits well with your soul. Wait until it sits well with your soul because at that moment is when you need the revelation. At that moment. We've had many opportunities actually to have um, options where people presented them to us as opportunities. And I remember once uh, some friends of ours, who knows the Lebanese kind of, they're into investments and they're into all this money-making stuff and I don't know, but they came up to us and they said, Here's a great opportunity. And you can put in X amount of dollars and you get 20% a month. You'll make your money back in a year. And Mick and I looked at each other and I thought, this sounds really weird. You know, it's all cash, cash. Everything's cash. Yeah, Lebanese, it's cash. It's only cash. We only deal with cash. And I thought, this is really weird. We did not partake of that. But later on, as time went on, you know, all of those people lost their money. The gentleman was put in jail, he, he had to face court, I don't know what happened, but I remember recognising it then, that this is not an opportunity, this is an option to take a huge risk, it's an option, it was not an opportunity, because God gives us opportunities, God opens the opportunities for the destiny of our lives, and sometimes we look at these other things and we get distracted and we get taken off, off the path that God set before us, and if you look at a grid, you know, you know, the, the cross, and you're standing in the middle, and let's say you're going up that line. If you just turn one degree to the right, you will end up in a whole other place. And we have to really be careful about, do we take up the option, or are we waiting for the opportunities that God is sending to us? And how do we know the direction? How do we not go off? 
You know, God's promised us that his sheep will hear his voice. John 10, 27 says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. He knows you and they follow me and I give eternal life to them and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. And I encourage us to be listening for the voice of the Holy Spirit, to be listening to the voice of God, to be patient. And you know, sometimes God doesn't answer immediately. And we don't need to feel the pressure of the vacuum cleaner man. We don't need to feel that pressure. We need to wait and listen to God and be patient. He will answer. He will answer. He doesn't tell us when, but he promises he will answer. And the Bible presents us with many ways to go. The Bible presents us with many options. And the beautiful thing about the Word of God, it's, to me, it's clear. It's clear what to choose. He gives us, you know, directions and, and he maps out for us the paths we should go. In, in the book, Matthew, chapter 7, it says, enter, verse 13, it says, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there will be many who go by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are a few who find it. So the narrow gate, the narrow gate, there's not many on that road, but the wide gate, everybody's going. And we live in a world that looks at what everybody's doing, what the latest thing is, whether it's, it's in the way people think or, or the way people accept differences in culture, whatever it is, we're, we've got to be a tolerant society. And we see this big wide gate open before us and we see all these people going and everyone else is doing it. So it must be okay. Everyone's doing it. But that's not what the Bible says. That's not what, this says the narrow gate and there's few going in that direction. There are few going in that direction. Do we know the direction of God? Do we know the direction of God? We think it's okay just because everyone else is doing it, but that's a lie. That is a lie. You know, I was talking to a lady recently. We grew up together. We raised our kids together. Our kids are similar ages and we were talking about relationships. You know, our kids are sort of at that age where they can have relationships and we were just talking about how, how, you know, we'd love our kids to have godly relationships and we were talking about certain things and she looked at me and she said, you're crazy if you think that. And this is a Christian lady. I said, what do you mean? She said, no, nobody thinks like that anymore. That's, that's gone. It's, do you know what? The word of God never changes. God's word doesn't change. You know, God is the same yesterday, today and forever. Just because the culture of the way we live changes, it doesn't mean God's word changes. The gates don't swap just because everybody else is doing it. And we need to be in tune with God and what he says. And I pose this question as well. Your destiny is attached, and I hear Pastor Phil say this all the time, your destiny is attached to another person. Your destiny is tied in with somebody else. God will use people to propel us into what he has for us. That's why Samson went off track because he went into the Philistine territory where he should have been with the Israelites. Where are you positioning yourself? Where, who are your friends? Verse 15 says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. 
Who are we hanging around? Who are our friends? Our destiny is tied up with our friends, with who we're, we're gathering with. One of the most important decisions we ever made, and this was an, actually a pivotal decision in our marriage, was to raise our children in the house of God. That decision was made a long time before they were born in my own heart that our kids were going to be raised in the house of God because I wanted them to be surrounded by other kids that know the word of God, that they would help each other, they would lift each other's arms up, they would be talking about the word of God together. It's pivotal when you make these sort of decisions. Who are you hanging around with? Who are the people in your life? And God uses these people God uses these people. Are you closely connected in the church? Or are you in a relationship with someone who does not know Jesus? You know, time and time again, I've seen young couples, you know, I've seen, you know, the girl or the boy say, oh, it's okay, they'll know Jesus after we're married. You know, but you know what? It ends up in most cases that they get pulled out of the church, not the other way around. Count the cost, count the risk, count the risk. Because that person will move you into the path God has for you. I'm so grateful to God. Mick and I did not know the Lord when we were married. But God, in his divine grace, brought me to Christ. And I kept standing firm in the church. I was standing firm on the word of God. And seven years later, he came into church. But I, you know what? They were difficult years. And I would not wish that upon anyone. So let's think about who are we hanging around with? Who are the people in our world? Some people think I'll make that decision quickly because I'm getting old. You know what? You're better old in Christ than young and in turmoil. It's really important. Even the church, being in the church is so important. Being in the church is one of the most important things, important decisions you'll ever make to stay grounded, to come week in, week out, to serve. It's really important because it changes the course of your life. That's what happened to Mick and myself. We were in another church for 15 years before we came to Silverwater. But in my heart, I felt God say, it's time, it's time. I heard his voice clearly say, it's time. And I know that if we did not leave that church, as difficult as it was, it was a change for us. It was a difficult decision. And come into this house of God, we would not be doing what we're doing today in terms of what God has for us in our lives. Pivotal decisions, important decisions that really, really make a difference. Who are you hanging around with? And we need to walk by faith, not by fear. We need to walk by faith, not by fear. Sometimes we make decisions out of fear. Fear that we'll lose something. Fear what other people might think. We need to put that aside. We need to put that aside and just be really grounded and ask God, what is it, God, that you want in my life? Which way is my way, which way is the way you want me to go, which, which is the path you've got for my life, and not be looking at what other people are doing, but saying, God, what is it for me that you want for my life?